Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia on June the 18th of 2022, Monday. This is a message for all that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and purpose and destiny. And for those that are new, I just want to refer you to my website at ultimatemeaning.com. That's ultimatemeaning.com where you will find very original writing through myself by the gifting of the Spirit of God. And there is many links in red print to very profound and amazing YouTube videos verifying the reality of what I am sharing here from many fields of science and archaeology, etc. You will be amazed, especially at some of the things that are written in this article as well as the videos that back them up. Well, this message is for those that have come to the saving knowledge of the one true eternal God. I'm speaking about Yahweh, which is the Hebrew name for God in the Old Testament which is often used with the second word in English, it would be God. In Hebrew, it's Elohim, meaning the Almighty's, referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And yes, I mention this for those that are new. We don't believe in three gods, but we do believe in the one true eternal God that is in three personages, because God could not be God unless he ruled over the three ultimate aspects of existence and in the three ultimate aspects of existence. What are they? As God the Father, he reigns beyond the creation realm, beyond time and space. As God the Son, he is fully expressed into the creation realm. That's referring to Jesus Christ. To rule within the time and space realm where there are many dimensions of existence and of time and space. And then the Holy Spirit and omnipresence filling all dimensions of existence in the creation realm and beyond creation with the Father. And so we are talking about the one true eternal God. And the other reason that what I'm sharing about is only who God could be is that he is the ultimate perfection of love. Briefly explained, his love always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice that as such would have a measure of corruption in it. His love is as a blazing, blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to this love. That is the integrity of his love, the purity of his love, that requires judgment as symbolized in the negative symbol which represents an indestructible foundation and cutting off all corruption. And from that negative symbol is formed the ultimate positive symbol, the symbol of the cross, which is that this love of God is so great that God is great enough to condescend to his creation. And yes, he became a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice on the cross, the full perfection of the being of God in Jesus Christ, the one and only full expression 
of God into the creation realm. And he suffered more than you, a mere creature, and humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, so that you could repent and be reconciled to God. And this message is to those that have done so, that are gathered together as believers throughout the United States, throughout Canada, and around the world. And I seek to speak these messages prophetically because the Word of God commands us in 1 Peter 4.11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And this is further explained in Revelations 19.10, which says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in great reverence and love for God and spirit and in truth and humility, we are filled with His Spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that results in creative utterances. They're coming as the oracles of God are speaking prophetically. And that is what we are to always seek to do when we gather together around Jesus Christ. So, one of the things I do to facilitate this is I cast lots to get the possibility of any two chapters in the Bible believing that those two chapters shall bear witness with one another with a common theme, which is the case. Sometimes it's hard to find that theme, but there's always a theme I find. Many times the themes are very clear, and it's way beyond coincidence. So I want to share with you the two chapters I've received today, and I also cast lots to get a hymn. And so before I begin to share this message of what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches today, we will sing a hymn that was gotten by the casting of Lot from 1,080 hymns, a hymn book of hymns throughout church history and from the underground church in China that was severely persecuted under the work of Watchman Nee, who was martyred in 1972. So here we go. I want to now um, begin by playing the song that was gotten by Lot today, and this is what it is.
conflict strong, courageous to endure. Tis here that life or death is won. Who will God's praise This song can be heard on my website at loverealize.com with well, I don't know how many are up there now, but it's near a hundred songs and there will be more as time goes on gradually because many times when I cast lots, I've discovered the song is not one that I already have here. So keep that in mind. And now we will go to the two chapters that I received today and I do want to mention I only spent a half an hour reading these chapters, if even that today, and um, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't even, I see a theme there, but it's very broad, but I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit to speak through me as I'm in a heart set and a mindset of worship, which releases the spirit of prophecy. And so a song like we just sung is very encouraging because we are under more attack even individually in our walk, and also corporately, than ever before. Look what happened to me. I've seen God making a way where there is no way and could testify here of amazing things. My place was under jeopardy where I almost was kicked out because I was trying to help a lady that didn't have a place to stay. And they all said, no, it's impossible. The waiting list is two years. You'll never get in here. But somehow... God made a way and she got in there and then I was able to keep my place or I would have had to force her out in the street when she's helpless at her age of almost 70 and with a very greatly badly degenerated hip and many other health conditions. And then my mother goes to heaven and that was a miracle too because they wouldn't let us in to see her because we didn't get the COVID shots. But somehow, miraculously, without us even asking the nurses, the nurses came up to us and said, if you want to come in, come in. And so we were able to see mom. I visit her twice a week. And the next day, but in the next day when we came in, one of the nurses protested and said, what are you doing in here? You don't... And so we just ignored her. And of course, the third day they had a conference and uh, said, oh, well, you can only come in if the doctor 
says that you she's about to die and you can go into a special room. Well, what's the difference? She's about to die when we she's so close to death. So sure enough, what happens? The doctor sees her, doesn't even phone us, and that day or in the morning she passes into the glorious presence of Jesus Christ. And then after that, about three or four days after that, I, I go to bed one night and I wake up in the morning and I got a massive amount of sores all over my left shoulder, front breast area, and around the back of my shoulder and down my arm. Very ugly looking. Oh, terrible, terrible. It turns out I had to go to emergency because it was so bad that my heart rate had gone up really high. They had to get my heart rate down too. And uh, turns out it was a massive shingles attack. But the thing is, because I'd taken a vaccination a few years back and not the second one, I had no itch nor pain, which I thank God for, but it sure is causing tension in my neck and in my back and a drainage of energy. So that I, I'm just getting over the hump now and there's a lot of healing taking place and scabs falling off everywhere. It's terrible. But such is the battles that we face in this day and hour. And so we learn through all of these things not to say, I mean, I could say, God, I've been seeking you almost three hours a day in prayer and loving on you and wanting to serve you and this is such a distraction and why would this happen? Well, maybe it was because of some things I compromised with back about eight months ago or more one time, but I repented of that. The other person didn't think it was sin, but I still don't think it was right what I did and that I allowed that to happen. Maybe that's the reason. I don't know. But I know this, that a righteous man falls seven times and yet will he arise. And since then I've been walking close to God, very close to God, and yet this happened to me. Well, you pick up the cross daily. And you learn to be thankful in an unconditional love-faith relationship with your Creator, with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, with Yahweh the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now I want to turn to the two passages I received today by the casting of Lot. I received Luke 1 and Revelation 7. And you would think there is nothing much common between them because Luke 1 is about the angel visiting Zechariah in the temple and the birth of John and about the angel visiting Mary and hailing her. And then they come together and meet and the babe and Elizabeth leaps filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb and leaps when she meets Mary and she prophesies and speaks to her. What a wonderful passage of scripture there. And in Revelation 7, what it is about is the four winds being held back for a season until the servants of God are sealed in their foreheads and that's speaking of the 144,000 of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. It is the bringing forth of the corporate bride of Christ, whereas in Luke 1, it is the bringing forth of the Jesus Christ, who is the head over that corporate body. We see the man, child also explained, I believe it is in Revelations chapter 12, and it doesn't hurt for me to just turn there right now and 
just address that for those that are new and I'm not, not aware of that chapter. In Revelations chapter 12, we read this. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. So what we see here in Revelations chapter 7 is the bringing forth of the remnant of God of this 144,000. But it's not only about that. It is about the vast multitude that are redeemed upon the earth, who go through great tribulation and wash their robes and make them white in the blood of the Lamb. Both of these are also speaking about what is mentioned here in Revelations 12:5, of the child, the man-child. It does speak of Christ, but it also speaks of those that are overcomers as believers, as is mentioned in Revelations chapter 3 of the church of the Thessalonians. Or Thessalonica, is it? And what do we read there? I could go back there too, since I'm in the book of Revelations here, and just go to that particular verse that speaks of that particular church. So I'm going there now. And um, just going to go down to where it mentions it here. Okay, that's Philadelphia. It's the next chapter. Revelations chapter 2. And we go down to um, past Pergamos to the church of Thyatira. And it says... And unto the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and thy charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach, and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. But that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. And here's the promise. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I have received of my Father.
which is exactly what is described in Revelations chapter 12 of the man-child ruling with a rod of iron over the nations. And those that are believers will reign with Christ. It says if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. But in these two passages, there is a time of waiting before there is the birthing. There is the time for Mary to wait until the Most High overshadowed her and birthed that seed in her, which was the blood of God the Father in the Son, birthed in Mary. She was well favored because God saw that her heart was pure before him and that Joseph was a man that truly feared God and had a heart that was integrous and pure before him. And so God sealed them to receive the kingdom of God in a very, very poignant way because they were to bring forth the very Messiah, God in the flesh. And let's not forget that Jesus Christ came in the flesh well before he was born in a manger to the earth. This is easily seen in, in Genesis 18, where Abraham is on his face before God and he lifts up his eyes and there's three men standing before him. I'm sure he recognized they weren't just ordinary men. He runs to them and says, I want to make you a wonderful meal. Basically, he says that. And he does. And they eat with him. And he addresses one of them as Yahweh, the most sacred name for God. That is Jesus Christ, the fullness of God, the Father and the Son. Or I should say the fullness of the Godhead in the Son talking to Abraham. Back in Genesis 18. And here in Revelation 7, we'll go there again and just see what it says there in Revelations chapter 7. So we go to Revelation 7, and we see that the four winds are held from bringing judgment upon the earth until there is the sealing of the 144,000. And he says this, And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. What is the sealing of God in the forehead? And yes, we can receive this seal of God in our forehead. I have experienced it at times in a very real way. You know, and I believe it is Ezekiel 9, if I'm not mistaken. It mentions that he puts a seal on those that sigh and mourn over the abominations that are being done. The seal of God 
involves conformity to who God is. It involves what you would call be those that are living a godly life from the heart. So that they hate what God hates and mourn over what God mourns over and rejoice over what God rejoices and love what God loves. And believe me, I have felt the crease on my forehead at times as I've mourned over the abominations that are taking place in the earth. Over the deception, it's outrageous. The danger is that I can become too angry and take vengeance in my own hand instead of learning to place vengeance in the hands of God. But at times, as I've sought God in prayer, I have so felt that seal on my forehead with tears from the Spirit of God crying over his people that are asleep crying over the lost that don't know any hope or meaning or purpose in their lives. You see, God wants to break the insular state of our being as there's such a tendency in this world system that's designed to get us into a state where we are totally insular in a spin of our own world like the, atom, like the electrons that spin around the nucleus of the atom forming a hard shell. What does it take to break that hard shell and bring the flow of life or electricity? It is the negative and the positive, the negative representing the integrity of God's love that will not tolerate sin, that we embrace and see as good. Rather than being overcome, as it was very tempting for me to be overcome when I was hit with his plague on my skin, <laughs> to say, God, why would you do this to me? I'm your servant. What did I do to deserve it? It's not wrong to ask why. But ultimately, we learn to have unconditional love and faith in God, knowing that he's also able to well restore us and heal us, for many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. We are living in a time when if you are seeking God in the midst of all the tendencies to make us insular by the loves of this world, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. This is the time to turn to God with all our heart, to break up our fallow ground by perceiving the integrity of God's love and the fear of God, out of which we can then perceive rightly the greatness of his mercy to us and his grace and reciprocate the love of God in our being that is unconditional of our circumstances. And in this chapter, we see the great multitude that is also brought forth, which is the bride of Christ. Verse 9, And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne of their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God 
forever and ever. Amen. One of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these that are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat for the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And this great multitude is bring, being brought forth right now. There is great tribulation in the world right now. There are many believers being severely persecuted for their faith. And we need to identify with the suffering church. More numbers, and I've forgotten the statistics, but they're greater than ever before throughout the history of the church. More people being martyred, more people being tortured for their faith now than ever before in church history. It's part of the bringing forth of the kingdom of God when there will be the manifestation of the sons of God that will liberate the whole creation and bring the kingdom of God to invade this planet, which is only in a third dimensional existence right now. But that invasion from heaven will merge a dimension far superior with this dimension and in that will be the presence of God that will fill all the earth as the waters cover the sea will cause the great earthquake that will cause the nations to fall but wherever believers are gathered together in the midst of that destruction they will be preserved as is described in Isaiah 24 that they will praise him in the midst of the fires and the presence of God as is described in Isaiah 33 will fill the air so that when the wicked breathe the air they will be consumed to ashes by the glorious presence of God in the air this will be a time that will there be merging of probably many planes of time upon the earth so that there can be the fulfillment of Ezekiel with the temple there where they can go back and fulfill their righteousness back then. If that is what is the case, I know not for sure, but it would not surprise me that they can enter into other planes of time because in heaven they can do that. Nevertheless, this is the message. God is calling us to be those that like the John the Baptist are preparers of the way of the Lord for he will come and he will set up his kingdom this time upon the earth. And in the meantime, if the church repents and turns to him and becomes his house of prayer and holiness, they will even see their nation conquered from all the evil and corruption that has taken over through COVID, through stealing the election, through all kinds of other insane things that these few people are pushing on the multitudes. Things are on the verge of civil war in various parts of Europe, especially in the Netherlands as these fools impose absolutely insane, false pseudoscience 
garbage to take away people's rights and property and land. God is calling us, like that song said, to be strong in this hour and to take a stand in righteousness and not love our lives unto the death, but be filled with the love of God, not overcoming evil with evil, but evil with good. I'm not saying there isn't a place to defend yourself as a nation. From tyranny, there is. But our trust must be not in our military might, but in the power of God as we seek and put him first. Thank you for, and by the way, it really would help if you bought my book, God, Headship, and Body Invasion, which you can get on Amazon by David James Thompson. It's everything you can do in your local assembly to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. Thank you for listening to this message.